0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Louis Collins of Five by Flynn, a casual but curated Australian fashion brand. Listen as we talk about why Louis is fulfilling orders in the U.S. while not making profit. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Louis Collins of Five by Flynn.
1: Louis, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. It's um, happy to be here.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, To give the listeners reference, um, Louis is out of Australia, so this interview is going to be very exciting. Uh, First of all, Louis, where did you grow up and uh, what was your childhood like?
1: So I grew up in, and I actually still live kind of nearby, in a a town called Bronte. So it's a beach suburb, just not many people would probably know uh, where that is in America, but it's just south of um, Bondi, so it's two beaches down um grew up around there I'm actually the oldest of six kids so uh a lot of siblings and all of them are very creative and me being the oldest I kind of look I look at them and like they all they're all kind of doing their different things and different forms of art and all that stuff so yeah I grew up around there went to school I actually boarded when I went to high school so uh just a bit over the bridge in a place called Hunters Hill and then kind of came back after that took a year off and then went to university, studied uh, a Bachelor of Business at uh, the University of Technology.
0: And I think I really enjoyed
1: my first couple of years there, but I think towards the end I was kind of, I don't know, I think I found jobs that I was working at. I was working part-time, I was kind of learning more uh, yeah. than I was at uni, which I, there's nothing against and I don't have anything against university, but I just think I the way that I learnt was through, um, yeah, actually applying myself and trying to meet new people and learning of other people. I think, I think that's totally. still the best way that I learned. So I uh, finished university and kind of like in the last year, I started up the business and then, yeah, it's, it's kind of grown from there. And I've always kind of had this, I think since I was maybe, when I left school, I've always wanted to own something and run my own business and of totally. like years. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my upbringing. For sure. So,
0: yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it sounds like you had a very entrepreneurial like mindset, especially throughout your journey and progressing to Five by Flynn today. I'm curious, uh, what was your family background like? What did your parents do? And was there any inspiration towards uh, you to become an entrepreneur and pursue that venture
1: as well? So, I think my parents are, and the older I get, the the more I see it, how uh, supportive they are, and. I think so. My dad's actually a builder, and then my mum, she was a graphic designer, um, and she is looking after some of the indigenous girls now at a school, so helping them with their art and um, kind of stuff like that. And I think just they they've really been supportive. Whatever I want to do, they're just like, you can go do it, and we'll support you to do it. Like they've never kind of like guided me into doing one certain thing, and and it even so with me or with my five siblings, we actually all went to different high schools as well because they just thought uh, we're different people and we've got different attributes and maybe different friends and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, they were always just so supportive of, uh, of me and, and my family doing our own thing and, I, and I'm very appreciative of it. So mm-hmm. uh, I think from their guidance, yeah, that's kind of made me feel more confident in, in kind of going and doing my own thing and uh, yeah, and pursuing kind of what I love doing. For
0: sure. Uh, leading up to Five by Flynn. I'm curious, what was this time frame like? Um, you're at the university. Five by Flynn comes. What did this start immediately following graduation, or what does this time period look like for you? Were you working some other jobs?
1: Yeah, I have to kind of uh, go back in my memory a little bit, but um, yeah. I remember. So when I was uh, 18, I just left school, and we. I had two of my friends who, because I went to boarding school, I. Uh, Two of my friends lived out of town, so they, or their parents lived out of town, but they wanted to live in Sydney. So my parents, uh, they lived at our house for a while. Um, and then when they lived there, we used to have these big parties and whatnot. And uh, I got approached by a few venues around Sydney and they wanted me to kind of like host the event. So then I, I ended up starting this company, which was an events company when I was like maybe 18, 19. So started, doing that for a couple of years. And then that kind of gave me the, uh, I guess the skills to, and, and confidence to know that I can, um, I can do my own thing. And, and, but I didn't, I, when I was maybe, I think I would have been like 21, I kind of 21, 22 after those events, I was like, I don't really, I like doing this, but I don't really want to do that anymore. And there was a certain style of shirts, um, it's called a camp collar shirt. It's like a button-down shirt. And I couldn't really find any that I, I really liked in the Australian market. So then I kind of learnt, went and uh, went I, – because I actually had no idea about fashion or anything like that. So I, I kind of yeah. went on a bit of a journey to learn how to make or make this shirt. And I got this the first one made in um, Sydney as well. So it cost a fair bit of money. But, uh, yeah, I guess I went through that process when I was about 22 whilst I was at just finishing off arm um, University and uh, yeah, and it kind of started from there and and I've learned obviously a lot since since starting, and, and I still am learning so much as well, because it's just even in business, like everything it's yeah, I feel like most businesses have the same ideas, so, but they're just a different purpose. so it's it's fun being able to talk to other people and learn off them and yeah, for sure. In person.
0: For sure. I'm curious in those early stages, um, you're you're designing this new shirt. Where did you look for a manufacturer to make this shirt? Were you looking for like the best price, the best developer, and how far did you go? You said you went to Sydney for this production, correct?
1: Yeah, so uh, my dad was doing this. um, He was making this building for just someone in Sydney and they owned a fabric store um, in a place called Alexandria, which is kind of like a bit of like a fashion hub. A lot of fashion companies have their um, offices around there. So then I went to him and like, and I honestly didn't really know. He just gave me a big list of Sydney because there isn't that many left in Sydney as in manufacturers. So he just gave me a big list and I kind of honestly went and just took whatever, whatever place would honestly take me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I think I really wanted to, from the very get go or I really wanted to make a pretty premium product. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I want to position myself. Yeah. Not as a cheap brand. I want, I want people to feel like they, want to look after their piece of clothing or look after the shirt that they buy. So yeah, I was definitely trying to look for a good quality um, manufacturer.
0: For sure. With the design side of Five by Flynn, I know you guys take a very minimalistic approach. I'm curious, um, you said you didn't have any design or uh, apparel expertise prior, but what did you look for when creating that Five by Flynn uh, design? What aesthetic did you want to present uh,
1: for your first launch? So for the very first one, I wanted to keep it, like you said, a bit simple. So it was just literally, and that's why it's called five off thing. Cause there was, it was one style of shirt that cam collar button down shirt, but I just did it in five different um, colorways, mm-hmm. mainly because I probably didn't have enough money to uh, make anything more than that. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I guess the design it's, it's changed a lot. Uh, as, I think over time, my idea of design changes and it still changes all the time. So when I first started, it was definitely like, I wanted to make these clean, um, luxury kind of pieces. But then now, for example, for the summer um, 2022 range, so my our summer, but it would be your winter, that comes out in um, October, November. Like I'm, I'm trying to go for a bit more of like a colourful shirt. And um, I've yeah. brought out a few in the past and they have done well. So it's kind of just... My design kind of evolves as well, and it's kind of learning what the market and what my customer wants and and building off that and building around that stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of my design process and and idea at the moment.
0: Definitely. I'm curious in those early stages. I know it's still fairly young. um, When you were launching these first shirts, where did you look for your customers and what was that demographic you were really hunting for uh, to purchase Five by Flynn?
1: as in where did i look in terms of what they want us what they want or yeah yeah like what what is your
0: your main demographic like what is your customer are, are they what's the age range what's the male and female skew etc et
1: so originally i wanted because i wanted to make this piece which was uh a bit more luxury and like the price point might be a little bit higher originally so i would have been 22 when it first started so I originally wanted to be like 25 and up, that's the demographic, cause I thought they would have more money and they'd be able to purchase more luxury items. But then I I soon came to realize if you come into the market and you're essentially nobody, they're not, people might, aren't gonna drop. Cause it's, to some people that's a fair bit of money to buy a shirt. So mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't, I I think that I soon found out that people don't want to spend that money. So over time, kind of like what I mentioned before, like my ideas changed over time. And right now I'd say the demographic is maybe 18 to 26 year olds. That's yeah. like, that's probably the majority of people that buy, but I do want to try and grow that, um, grow that market um, to hopefully like 18 to 30 or 35. Um, because like I said, like they, the <clears throat> the older people get usually the, the more disposable income they have and, and they're willing to purchase uh, nicer products and whatnot. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I'm approaching it at the moment. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this
0: episode's mid-break sponsor, France and Sun. Have you ever been looking around for a sofa but just cannot find the right piece that goes with the room or the aesthetic you're looking for? Well, France and Sun offers customization options you may not find on other online retailers. A quick chat with customer service and you can have the sofa of your dreams in your favorite color at Francenson.com. That's Francenson.com and, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So we were when we were talking uh before the interview started, I, I'd like to kind of talk about your your international strategy. It's very interesting. You said that you actually get orders that come in international. You don't make money from it, but you still fulfill that order. I'm curious if you could share with the listeners, like what your approach is on that, when do you expect to like shift international and how you're actually fulfilling orders, even if you're not making money now and why you're doing that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's always been one of my goals to, and I see um, like that. I don't know if you know the brand Amelion Door. They're they're someone that uh, it's based in New York and I just see the way that they market and their overseas market. It looks obviously like it's doing quite well. So it's been one of my goals to either, I'm just trying, to suit, trying to find a place which would kind of suit the vibe and kind of off the top of my head, maybe somewhere in LA might suit it or depending like kind of what the vibe is, maybe New York or London. Um, yeah. But yeah, there there is random orders that come in from the States and I have no idea how on earth they find it, but it just kind of shows the power of uh, the world right now and how easily accessible everyone is. And like you mentioned, so because shipping Australia is at the bottom of the world, you don't really make that much money on, depending on how much they buy, you don't really make that much money on each order because of the shipping. So, But I still want to know that a, uh, that a shirt that someone's bought um, from Australia or from Fire by Flynn is somewhere walking around in. I think someone bought one from Ohio yesterday or something like that. So to me, it's kind of cool and it kind of shows that if someone else random out there is wearing it in in America, hopefully in the future, um, I'll be able to move over there, but I just really want to focus on right now, the East coast of Australia and focusing on the major cities, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, and just kind of getting that, getting my market down pack, all my products are right. And then there it's kind of like America is a whole nother beast. There's so many markets within markets and, and then I can try and go over there and, uh, yeah, grow the business over there. Cause hopefully the idea is that because there's more people you'd be able to scale the business more. But yeah, um, I just want to make sure I've got all the right structures in place here in um, Australia in Sydney, and Sydney. Then, and then, yeah, try and tackle that base in the future. For sure.
0: Uh, since being in business now for a few years, a couple of years, um, I'm curious, what would you say is the top seller that you found uh, with your customers today?
1: As in what, the top selling product? Top selling product, yep. So it would be right now the the first product um, I spoke about, with, which we first made that camp collar shirt. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've recently um, been chatting to people about where I should, how to scale the business and, and where I should be going. And, and I, I kind of like sometimes forget and I have to pull myself up about it and in terms of like what the business represents and why people are there. So I know that that camp collar shirt in plain or in prints is the best seller, but sometimes I try and, do all this other random stuff and I need to I recently even yesterday I had a meeting I need to just pull myself back and focus on that product because I know that's the best-selling product and then I can build the whole collection and all the other pieces around it yeah, um, yeah that's that's definitely the best-selling product and I'm gonna try and put more focus for the next year on making just the best camp color shirt I possibly can and then everything else can work around and the other pieces can work around that because yeah sometimes if you if you try and do too much and you compete against bigger people and it, it becomes difficult. So it's just, um, yeah, trying to be unique. And, and, and I think that's what makes that piece of clothing the best uh, seller in the collections.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm curious then, what would you say is the main marketing strategies that work well for uh, the company today, especially for having international orders come in? Like
1: uh, yeah. a strong d-
0: digital presence?
1: Yeah, so I think if you're... I think we're in a, uh, a pretty lucky position where we, when uh, COVID happened, we didn't have any storefronts or anything like that. So we didn't have rent to pay. And we're all, yeah. we also, I focused all my time on trying to grow this digital presence. And right now we're putting money behind Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest actually does really well in terms of more of a visual, uh, visual platform. It's more like, I think that's maybe where I get more of an international audience because I can market if I want uh, internationally with Pinterest and it's quite a visual uh, thing for people to see and if they see something maybe colourful or that, that looks nice. I might not get a sale from it, but it, it just brings awareness to the brand. And uh, yeah. and I think one of the things when I mentioned before that from the get go, I've always wanted to make sure that the brand looked really professional and from the get go. So. I th- the marketing campaigns that I try and do, and I re- that's something that I really enjoy doing is writing the marketing campaigns and choosing the songs for it. I get a lot of inspiration from from songs that I listen to, and I kind of like work. It's almost like a bit of a weird way. Like I work backwards, like I create a marketing campaign and then make the clothes after it, which is a bit of a weird yeah. way. To but uh, I think having that strong marketing campaign mixed with a digital kind of marketing presence, I think, um, yeah, that, that's the way that. At least I'm trying to grow the business. I don't for know sure. if you're not yet. And then also, uh, when I mentioned before I had um I started doing events when I was a bit younger. I think events are such a good way to build awareness um yeah. for the branding because you can invite people there all for one night. You can get some cool alcohol sponsors, have some fun DJs and it kind of just focuses everyone on your brand. And you're not so much you don't have to sell stuff while you're there, but it, it, it kind of just makes people think, hopefully in a week's time, if they get hit up with an ad, or if they see it on a bus stop or something like that, that they're gonna um, resonate with that brand more and and yeah, maybe buy something in the future. For sure.
0: Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, um, maybe something you've learned or regret just in this uh, quick journey, I'm curious, what would that be?
1: I think, the biggest might would be try and build up as many relationships as you can with people because mm-hmm. personally i think uh i've learned on i think one of my skills is that i'm quite personable, personable with people and and it's it's definitely helped me um along the way because you're always going to have ups and downs and it's a bit of a rollercoaster like there's really high highs and and some low lows so i think getting a network around you that you can bounce ideas off or ask them for advice cuz Usually if you're going through something, there's, there's someone maybe a few years ahead of you or five, year, five or 10 years ahead of you that's already done it. Um, so yeah, I think building up strong relationships and, and landing on them when you need them. And um, yeah, and hopefully they can help you out in the, in the future. For sure.
0: Well, Louis, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Five by Flynn at fivebyflynn.com. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode around Louis entrepreneurial journey. Like to say thank you to our closing sponsor, Win Brands Group. Are you a founder who's built a successful brand your customers love, but are stuck on how to take it to the next level? Enter Win Brands Group an omnichannel retail platform that buys and builds category-defining brands, including Homesick, Quello, Gravity, and Love Your Melon. WIN has designed its shared services model to provide passionate founders with pool resources and an all-star team that will sustainably scale your brand for the long term while getting you back to things that you love most. Brands in the WIN ecosystem have collectively sold over 20 million products, gotten in over 10K retail doors, and achieved over $500 million. That's half a billion dollars in lifetime revenue. I had Kyle, the CEO and founder of WIN Brands Group, on the podcast last year and I am so impressed with what he's been able to put on with acquiring the brands and helping scale founders' dreams. It's easier to transform and grow your business with Win than going it alone. So make sure to check him out at winbg.com. That's winbg.com. And drop the team a line to learn more.